Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. My friend, my head is still spinning. I just got back from Texas, from Plano, Texas from Toyota headquarters, and I saw many Toyota vehicles, but most importantly, I spent some time, some quality time with a new Sequoia. You know, I, I, I don't know if it's just me, and it's not actually. I have received more texts, emails, and requests about the Sequoia than the Tundra. I kid you not. Really? Like, a lot of people are really interested in it. People think it's better looking than the Tundra, which I agree. I think it's actually a really good looking truck. And on top of that, they're freaking out about the fact that you get this standard hybrid system. But I haven't driven it, but you have. And now I have. Yes. Right. Yes. So how about this? How about on this episode of TFL Talking Trucks, we go kind of in detail into the all-new 2023 Sequoia. Okay. Talk about how it drives, how it tows, how it goes off-road. Because I actually had the opportunity to do all those things. You are a lucky man. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, and then also answer your questions, right, Jay? Yeah, absolutely. So we have Talk some Patreon. Me. We have some Patreon questions. Uh, we want to thank you guys, of course, for supporting us. Thank you guys. Thanks. Uh, and then also, uh, I I saw the rest of the Toyota lineup. Mm-hmm. So I saw the latest Forerunner uh, updates, the Tacoma updates, the Tundra updates. So we can cover like a wide range of topics. Did you just, I know this isn't a truck, but did you see the uh, GR little... Corolla? Yeah. Was it there? Yes. You know oh. You know what else happened? So uh, this is the second annual event that Toyota is putting right. on. Uh, they did one last year as right. well, about the same time of year. Mm-hmm. And this they call it the HQ Confidential. Kind of a fancy name. Yeah. <laughs> but it's basically a little miniature auto show at their headquarters campus mm-hmm. that is like overload on Toyota stuff and Lexus stuff. And GR Corolla was there, and including the Morizo edition. Yes, which Ooh. is their super hot. It actually has more torque than the uh, regular model, yeah. and it they took out the rear seats. And ooh, Okay, that's for car, and okay. I'll just save that for car. So maybe you and Roman can talk, discuss that later? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, but but that also meant a very special person. Oh, uh, did you? Uh, Koji Sato, oh. Sato-san, mm-hmm. uh, he was there. He's the president of Lexus. He's also the chief. He used to be the chief engineer on the LC. You know that oh, gorgeous car? It's one of my favorite cars. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's also in charge of GR Racing, mm-hmm. Gazoo uh, Racing, right. and all of their performance uh, division, and also Lexus driving signature, you know, their kind of handling. Does any of that cross over to trucks? No. no. <laughs> I, that, sorry. Very cool but stuff. Ju- just to bring us back to the topic, it's my fault for, for venturing over there. I, I'm just really in love with the the, the GR. Well, uh, you know, one. like overseas, they have GR Land Cruiser. Yeah, so that's that, why I was wondering. Yeah, so that badge actually supposed to transfer from cars to trucks mm-hmm. and SUVs, but we're, we're not getting that yet here. So we'll talk about it when it comes, right? All right, all right. Fair enough. So, But, of course, the Sequoia is kind of the big deal. It's really popular, but but it's funny. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys, Jay and, yeah. and Nathan, about this because the the Sequoia has not 
been a huge seller in numbers. No. But it always was like under radar. What do you think there is? Why is there such an interest in this thing? I, I have a couple things. First of all, okay. uh, unless you got something, Jay. Uh, well, for starters, I mean, look, it's it's a truly capable SUV. It's not a crossover, and it's big, and it can do everything a family could ever need it to do on road, off road, tow boats, you name it. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Okay. okay. My thing is, it's the anti Tahoe. And an awful lot of people out there who've been buying them, and I actually know somebody who bought a brand new one six years ago and still drives it with 250,000 miles on it. They are known for their bulletproof reputation, for reliability and ruggedness. They're not perfect, believe me. They're, they're very inefficient, the older ones at least. Oh, yeah. And there, there, are, there are plenty of issues with them. However, as a solid, day-to-day, capable, hard knocks style, you know, just basic SUV, which it really is a very basic SUV if you think about it, um, you can't beat it. And then on top of that, they're also looking at like J.D. Powers and all these other organizations, right? And they're seeing that one of the most reliable SUVs in its class is the Sequoia. It's way up there. Mm-hmm. And it always has been. Part of the reason why is because they never screwed around with the recipe. And the other reason is that this is one of the few vehicles that was partially hand-built in the United States. So yeah. for them, they're like, oh, well, It's yeah, almost cool. the Rolls-Royce of Toyotas. In that well. way, it is. But I'm, I'm stretching that term. <laughs> you are a little bit. So that, that's my point of view. But we get the point. Yes. So, um, but this is something very different. And I know you got a lot of insight. You probably, did you talk to Swears or any of those other guys? Yeah, I did. Of he was there. Yeah. Uh, Mike Swears is the chief engineer, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, so I, I spoke with him. Uh, I spoke to him uh, on many topics. One of our favorite things to talk about is their wheelbase. Mm-hmm. Remember the magic wheelbase of One the Land Cruiser? Set, well, uh, it's, it's, uh, well, it's in millimeters. Yeah. It's... 2,850 millimeters, which is 112 inches. 112 inches. Um, and that's basically, since like Series 80 Land Cruiser, that has been the wheelbase of their off-road SUVs. Yeah, they consider for, that... For decades. That is the golden ticket. That is what you want for a wheelbase that's considered ideal, yeah. according to Toyota. Yeah, according to them. And I, I asked Mike, I said, uh, the Sequoia does not have that wheelbase. Mm-hmm. It's longer. Yeah. It's, it's almost 10 inches longer. And I was like, Mike, you did not use the magic wheelbase. Are you okay? Do you still have your job? (laughs) (laughs) Clearly he does. You didn't say that. I didn't say that. No, no, no. That's something that I would say. But I did ask him, Mike, why why didn't you use the magic wheelbase? Yeah. And he said, well, first of all, the magic wheelbase uh, was a global requirement Mm -hmm. because the Land Cruiser is sold... Well, not Was here anymore. Sold, yeah. but but now it's sold in every other market, including Africa and Asia mm-hmm. and Australia and Europe, all over the place. And it's also in commercial vehicles. You know, UN uses Land Cruisers, right? right? So he said a lot of those requirements uh, made. You know, they wanted the breakover angle to be just right, and you know, the comfort of that vehicle to be just right. So a lot of those requirements drove that wheelbase. Gotcha. But you know what Americans like? We like a legroom. Yeah, we, we like long wheelbases. We like giant SUVs, especially in Texas. Oh yeah, <laughs> we want to drive long distances, and so this is kind of an Americanized version of it. So the wheelbase on the new Sequoia, just like the older Sequoia, is 122 inches, which is a little bit longer than the Tahoe. It's That's a little a, bit longer <clears throat> than the Tahoe. The, the wheelbase. Is. Yes, the wheelbase. Yeah, is. Okay. Yeah. So uh, so let's kind of start from what is the new Sequoia. Yeah, exactly. I, I think a lot of people out there are assuming that it's just a rehash of the old one, and it's really not. It's an all-new vehicle. Exactly. My question is, we can get to this later, Andre, but do you think Land Cruiser buyers or current owners 
who don't want to get the Lexus LX. We know that's uh, that's coming to dealerships if it hasn't already. Mm-hmm. Will they be happy with the Sequoia? Well, that's another question I, I think that we should answer because yeah. maybe that's why there's such interest in this, right? Because Land Cruiser is no more. That's right. right. What is to fill the void? Yes, the Lexus is there, like you said. The LX, by the way, I also drove one. So I, I got really lucky on this event. Man, you did. Uh, and, uh, but what if you don't have $100,000? Or one hundred ten thousand dollars, or right. whatever the Lexus may cost, right? What is the other answer? And this could be the answer, right? Exactly. So it's based on the new Tundra chassis, right? right. So so the Tundra frame is uh, is fully boxed. So is the Sequoias. So really strong foundation. Uh, the rear is still a solid axle. Um, so this is a huge change because the older Sequoia actually had an independent right and rear. That, that was a totally different type of packaging too yeah. because of that right and, and of course independent front suspension and the new Sequoia uh, and if you look at the Tundra and we've talked a lot about the Tundras right oh yeah um, so basically all the trim levels with one exception uh, all of the um, packages like the TRD Sport TRD Off Road TRD Pro everything that the Tundra basically has. This has. The Sequoia does. And unlike the old Sequoia, this one is built on the same line, isn't it? Or uh, yeah, in the exactly. same factory, at least. So, like you mentioned, um, in the Indiana facility, the older Sequoia uh, was kind of almost like a red-headed uh, stepchild. It's, yeah. It was built partially by hand, like we were talking about, built in smaller numbers. Mm-hmm. And now, it's in San Antonio alongside the Tundra. So, in theory, they could pump out a lot more of these and do it, you know, with all the different options. Right, and that would probably save them an awful lot of money in terms of development and you know manufacturing. So in theory, this would be a less expensive vehicle for them to not only design, but also build, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, of course, we asked, you know, there are many journalists at this event. Mm-hmm. Uh, people asked, you know, what are your projections? How many are you going to sell of the new Sequoias, right? They always ask this. And, of course, the answer is usually the same from all the manufacturers. We don't talk about projections, right? because it's kind of competitive advantage, right? Right. Uh, but they said that they want to increase the volume dramatically from where it was, which was small. Yeah. What they was, sold... Yeah, what I was that know, number? Right? I, I don't know if you will believe me no, no, go when, ahead. I, when I say this. I'll believe you. In 2021, Toyota sold in the United States in the year 8,000 and about 8,100 sequoias. Okay. I do believe that because I've seen where the numbers have been and... They've never been. That's incre- not a lot of vehicles. No, for, and, and for it, it doesn't impact any of the, um, you know, anybody. In fact, I think it's even less than Nissan and their Armada. Yes, it, it, yeah. it, it was. Yes. So it's one of, the, but that's partially because this is a re- was a really long and tooth design that's been around. Yes, forever. and it was hand built partially. Right. Yes. So now that they have an all new one, I'm I'm going to guess that they're thinking about pumping up about ten times what their production was before. That's my guess. Well, I think there were, you know, probably a little bit more coy about this, but I think that's possible. Oh, I do too. I mean, I, th- I think huge improvement is possible. Well, let's talk about what this thing is underneath, because uh, once again, so, I mean, I know a lot of you guys do know, but some of you don't. And this is essentially a Tundra underneath, but it's not just any Tundra underneath. Right. It's a hybrid. That's right. Standard. Y- yes. So no matter which, no matter which uh, Sequoia you get, uh, you get their twin turbocharged V6, mm-hmm. the three and a half liter, uh, and it's made it to an electric motor. And of course, there's a 10 speed automatic um, and 437 horsepower in the base model. Base model. Uh, 570 pound feet of torque. Jeez. So this puppy moves. I would say that's probably one of the more powerful vehicles in its class. 
Yeah, so I was thinking about this because mm-hmm. I was doing all my research and stuff. Uh, of course, you can get powerful V8 engines in the GM. Yeah. And by the way, GM controls the segment. Oh, God, yeah. Tahoe, Tahoe are you kidding? Tahoe, Suburban. Suburban, Yukon, Cadillac. They're locked down like 60 to 70% of this market. Yeah, Yeah, uh, Ford is trying to break in there with the Expedition and the Lincoln. Well, They're there, struggling. There's a weird irony about General Motors. General Motors just switched over to an independent rear suspension, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people were really against it. They were yes. worried about towing and handling all that stuff. Yeah. So they go and do this, and Toyota, who had independent rear suspension, went back. went back and went to a solid rear axle. And now I believe in this class... They're the only vehicle yeah. in the class that has a solid rear axle. Because the new Wagoneer, Grand Wagoneer, went independent also. That's right. Yeah. So everybody else has an independent suspension. They they have a solid rear axle. Now, I, I know one of the reasons why is because it's from a Tundra. Yeah. And it keeps costs down. Um, but there are benefits to that, too, of course. Well, yeah, there's stability benefits, yeah. technically, because a lot of you have been asking us, uh, we you know, You guys are saying, we, I want to buy a new Sequoia. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be worse than the old one? You know, that there, there, there's a question out there. Sure, sure. Right? And, and uh, I can, I'm here to tell you, uh, I told with it, uh, super stable. But also, uh, the, the, um, the fear was that the rear axle would make it, like, bouncy and not comfortable. Right. It's not true. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, I, and, and I think, I think it's partially just, just the overall design and tuning of the shocks and the springs. Um, and uh, we can go over all those numbers. Absolutely. So one final thing, uh, just from my perspective, is that a lot of people out there are saying, I really want a forerunner, but I need more space. This is your only choice now. This is it. Um, from Toyota. Yeah, from Toyota. Um, I mean, yeah, you can go up a step and go to Lexus, which actually we have somebody um, later on who's actually wrote us about that. Um, my point is that if you're going to stick with you know, Toyota quality, And you want something that can tow and easily haul seven people. This or, is, or eight. Or eight. Yeah. This is your truck. This is what Toyota has. There are no other options from Toyota unless you break into the high, you know, up to $100,000 or more. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about what this thing is, how it is to drive. So and here's the question. And on paper, if you look at the spec sheet, and uh, we can go over it together. Yeah. Uh, sure. Some of the specs don't seem impressive. I mean, the power specs are amazing. Yeah, the power specs right and there blew my mind. For those, Andre, for huh? those who don't know the power specs, can we, do we know those yet? Yeah, yeah. yeah. just so, said them. So uh, we just talked about it. So 570 pound-feet of torque, it's more than the GM V8s. Mm-hmm. It's more than the turbocharged engines from Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ford has been boosting their power numbers in right. the Expedition, but still, that's a lot of torque. That's a ton of torque. Uh, it, it's even more torque than the new straight-six Stellantis Hurricane engine. So if you look at the Stellantis engine, uh, it's around 500 pound-feet of torque, even though it has more horsepower. What about the straight-six diesels that GM offers? I mean, that torque number is pretty close to theirs, but, but uh, it's higher. Four, 460. Yeah. Uh, the diesels are at 460. This is 570. I mean, that is just incredible. So other than, other than you know, you're going to, like, Hellcat engines... In the older Durangos. The, the upcoming CTS, or what should we call it? The CTS Cadillac. V. Yeah. Uh, CTS C- V. Yeah, I know. I did we that said too. that together. <laughs> I know. The, the Escalade V. The Escalade with, with the new 6.2 supercharged Super engine. Yeah. yeah. But, But the, that's how far you have to go to, to surpass this. To surpass this, right. yes. Which so you have to insane. pay $150,000 for an Escalade V in order, to, in beat order to beat the power number and the torque numbers in this. Okay. So we, we covered that. 
Um, are you able to talk about MPG? Uh, no rating yet. No rating yet. No rating yet. Okay. But, but we have a guess, and Toyota has said this. So the MPG, of course, is very important. Of course, the old Sequoia was terrible, really bad, really, 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 like fourteen MPG. I think on that's lot. yeah. You think it's lower? It might be depending. If, if well, anyway, in the real world, it could be even lower, right? Yeah. Anyway, uh, so they're estimating approximately the same as a Tundra hybrid. Okay. Because the Tundra n- numbers are out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here are the Tundra numbers for a two-wheel drive Tundra hybrid. Uh, you're twenty city, twenty-four highway, and twenty-two combined. And for a four-wheel drive Tundra Hybrid, you're 19 city, 22 highway, and 20 combined. So, obviously, most people probably choose a four-wheel drive version. Yeah. So, so think about 20 MPG-ish, maybe a little bit better, because, well, this is not a very lightweight vehicle. Still. No. Do you know what it weighs? Uh, yes. We do, we do have a lot of those numbers. I'm going to guess 56. I think you're right on the money. Mm, wow. yeah. yeah, look at me go. Yeah, yeah. Wow. because it, it also offers about 1,700 pounds of payload, the base model. Wow. Uh, two-wheel drive. That's a pretty good number. That's pretty good. But then once you throw a four-wheel drive into it and add all the it, goodies, it, goes down it, it drops down. It what about towing? Um, this is an update. Okay. Uh, when they unveiled it in California mm-hmm. uh, several months ago, they said 9,000 pounds was towing. Okay. And right. now they it went up. 9,520. So they yeah, have, yeah. Uh, you know, recertified, did all their stuff, and they said, you know what, it'll tow more. Well, that's great. Not class leading, though, because no. technically the Grand Wagoneer is at 10,000. Yeah. But this is more than the Expedition can tow. Mm-hmm. It's way more than the Tahoe. The Tahoe is like around 8,300 pounds. Right. Um, that still is at the top of its class, you could say. Near, yeah. the top, near the top. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of value here, quite honestly. Yeah, so far. We're talking like, you know, we're, good we're stuff. talking Grand Wagoneer, Escalade V, you know, we're talking power output, now towing. It's like, wait a minute here. This is. Okay, so those are the good parts. Uh-oh. Are you ready for the bad? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Ugh, I'm sorry, I, I have to do this. No, uh, we're journalists. At yeah, the end of the we, day, have we have to look at both, all sides, That's right? That's right. So, like you said, towing is great. And by the way, you know, 9,500 pounds, um, we throw numbers around a lot. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Or what does 10,000 pounds mean? Uh, I would just want to say this. Uh, you can bring almost anything you want for your vacation. If you're towing a big camper, it can be between seven and 8,000 pounds. Exactly. can towing a boat. Like they had a boat there that mm-hmm. I towed. Uh, that was, they said 7,500 pounds. Mm-hmm. And this was like a 23-foot, you know, giant taiga uh, ski boat with every luxury feature on top of it. Right. So it, this thing will bring it there. You know, bring it to the lake, take you camping, whatever you want to do. So th- that's what you need to think about, I think. Just capability, right? Okay. So it's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a little bit higher than the Tahoe. But now, unfortunately, uh, it does not have the same cargo volume as the Tahoe. Mm-hmm. It's quite a bit lower. Yeah. Okay. It does not have the same legroom and headroom in the rear third row as a Tahoe or some others. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Solid rear axle. Yes. The battery. Yes. So the battery has to go somewhere. Right. So the hy- because it's, and actually I respect that. They went for the hybrid across the board because they really want to push electrification, right? And they want people to have the power and also efficiency. Uh, but the battery is 1.87 kilowatt hours, and it's the nickel 
a hydride battery. Oh, so it's a much bigger battery than physically. It's not physically. lithium ion, basically. Yeah, so it's not as difference. compact as maybe right. some others, right? Toyota likes to use those nickel metal hydride batteries. Yeah. They use them in a lot of vehicles. They have yeah. for years. Yeah, the Prius, original Priuses use nickel those hydride, similar. Yep. Exactly. So, uh, and uh, they're very actually um, hitting this point, the warranty. Um, so the warranty on the vehicle, oh, I, th I think it's... Um, 36,000 miles technically on uh, mechanical components, but it's eight years, 100,000 miles on the electric inverter and electric components. And the battery is 10 years and 150,000 miles. And I think that's where Toyota is going because they know that chemistry of the battery and it's been proven in other vehicles. For a long time, for, for a couple of decades. They're able to uh, warranty it for 150,000 miles, which Currently, I believe that's class uh, industry. I don't leading. know anybody else who warranties any type of battery for that length of time. So yeah. that is impressive. I mean, maybe Tesla and or some others, you know, may have you know similar cl claims. But I mean, this is a really strong claim that Toyota is making. Okay, so but e it eats into the rear space. Okay. There's I don't more. know what else to tell you guys. Here, here's some of the you numbers. You a little, you take a little. Yes. Yeah. Here's some of the numbers. Um, if you fold everything down, if you fold the third row, the second row down, uh, the new Sequoia has about 86.9 cubic feet of cargo volume. If you fold everything down in the Tahoe, same thing, mm -hmm. 122 cubic feet. That's considerably so that's, smaller. That's 14 plus. That's like 40 cubic feet. I mean, almost. I mean, that, that, Does that third row seat fold completely flat? Uh, yeah, and it's powered too. Okay, oh. so, so at least it will fold completely flat. Yeah. But because of that rear axle being a live axle, it, it's just it, higher. It's higher, yeah. and then on top of that, there's a battery in there. So I get why it's smaller, but you know, I, it, the real question is whether or not you know people who want to buy it are going to look at that and go, "Well, I know that the Ford and the Chevy can hold a lot more." That is one issue. So I think it just has to be a trade-off for you if you're interested in a big SUV like this. Mm. Just look at the, you know, how big is your family? How many things you want to bring with you, right? So if you maybe have, uh, I don't know, if you want to put just five people and just fold the third row down, Sequoia would be fine. Right. So what about the third row? I know you spent a little bit of time in there. Is it big enough for an adult? Uh, my head hits the ceiling. Okay. Well, I'm just over 6'2". Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're well over 6'2", by the way. You have hair. Um, so the point <laughs> is, is that if you're an adult... Uh, over six feet is what I've been told. The third row won't be very comfortable for you. Uh, actually, the, the knee room is decent. Knee room's okay? Like, yeah. But just, uh, I would have to, like, move my head sideways. It just, is so for a smaller adult or, or, a, or a kid, uh -huh. it would be good. Okay. So for families who have tweens and whatever, this would be totally fine, That's having exactly. that third row. But once you, if you're going to haul around a bunch of, you know, big galoots, then you're going to probably have to get something else. Yeah, if you're going out, you know, if you're moving people downtown to go uh, to a party or mm -hmm. something, uh, it, big dudes. Well, then you put probably. the unpopular big dudes in the third row. That's what I do. Yeah. Or probably. that's what they do to me, I should say. <laughs> um, okay. So um, before you continue, I've been nagging. It's been nagging me since you brought this image up. For those of you who are listening, uh, the image is Andre standing next to a TRD sport version of the... Um, and the new Sequoia, but I'm looking at the front of the vehicle and I'm seeing these little empty sections up where the um, chin guard is. Mm -hmm. What's in there? Uh, so, uh, yeah, the chin is an issue, first of all, mm -hmm. because it's low. 
But the one, the, the model you're looking at here is a two-wheel drive. Uh -huh. So it's a little bit lower than a 4x4. Okay. But the chin spoiler is there, and it's immovable. Okay. And it's also, it's got aero slots in it. So that's what I'm looking at right so now is an aero air, slot? Air, aerodynamics, okay. yeah. So but it's I, kind of direct air underneath the vehicle yeah, and around. For, for better efficiency, why not? Yeah. Um, hey, no, no tow hooks on that one either, huh? Oh, you noticed that. Yeah, I did immediately. One of the biggest gripes, I know that some of you guys are like, just let it go, Nathan. No. Um, the new Tundra, which is a really good truck, is missing one important ingredient in my book, and that is it doesn't have front tow hooks. It wasn't designed into the vehicle to begin with. And because the uh, new Sequoia is essentially that truck, it doesn't have it either. And honestly, I could say at least a dozen times where I've desperately needed that off-road and was able to use it in mid-sized trucks and full-size trucks. So. I have an issue with them not putting it in there, and that's my point. So enough of my soapbox. Why don't we continue? Okay, and also uh, we can talk about some off-roading because I also off-roaded yes, the TRD Pro. Yeah, okay. A so, TRD Pro version of it. Now, the TRD Pro does have a rear locker, unlike the old one, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, because it's mimicking what the Tundra is doing. Exactly. Right. Uh, um, so, so that's pretty good. But unfortunately, some of the specs on the off-road version uh, are also, uh, at least on paper, are not impressive. Okay. So let me just give you, throw yes, a please. few numbers at you. Uh, the ground clearance on the TRD Pro Sequoia, the new one, is 9.1 inches. It's okay. Uh, it used to be 10. Yeah. Um, so it's slightly bit lower. Uh, the approach and departure angles are also a little bit worse than the new one. The approach is about 23 degrees mm. and departure is 20. So those are near the bottom of the class. Yeah, they really are. But, uh, and there's a big but, uh, the course I drove it on, there was a trail that Toyota prepared in, um, just by the Eagles Canyon uh, Raceway. Okay. Uh, they cut a course into the field, mm -hmm. similar to what we're doing in Tumbleweed Ranch. Right. They, they have more resources than we do, so they can do uh, it overnight. A little you know, bit a more. A little bit yeah. more, yeah. Uh, and so, of course, when the manufacturer introduces the vehicle and then designs a off-road course, it will do that. The vehicles will do that. Course. Right, right. They want to favor the vehicle, but still show it doing, doing stuff. Thing, right? Yeah, exactly. doing, doing exercising off road. So I never, in the TRD Pro, which has actually a higher chin than mm -hmm. this, and it has a skid plate, lots of skid plates actually. Which is good. It's going to so need the front, a the front skid plate, and also the big fuel tank skid plate as well. Oh, good. Um, the, um, I never touched, never scraped anything. Mm -hmm. and, and, and actually... Uh, the maneuverability of the TRD Pro was a little bit worried because the turning diameter, turning diameter is at about 44 feet, which is a little bit longish. That's kind of like a pickup, yeah. Uh, compared to some others, mm -hmm. uh, it was actually pretty maneuverable. Okay. So I had I was going in there with this. Oh, it's a little bit less ground clearance. You know, it's the angles on that right. is great. Maneuverability maybe you know is mm -hmm. wider, and then the TRD Pro just like. Threw it all out the window, and it was actually fun off-road. Well, and I they drove it fast, too. I would imagine the rear articulation is actually an improvement. Did you get to talk about that with the guys? Because it's a solid axle, and those are ideal for off-roading. I don't have the precise numbers on that, but yes, uh, I think I think you're right on the money there. Yeah. Because the axle is able to actually articulate and also push the tires into the ground. Exactly, which is what you really want. Which is what you need for traction, right? Right. Well, independent suspension doesn't quite do that. It they're okay, but this could be better. So, in theory, this might be a better off-roader than the vehicle it replaces, especially because it has the rear locker, it has a solid rear end. Unfortunately, ground clearance, approach, and departure angles are worse than, than before, which 
And that was even on the TRD Pro version, the the yeah, off-roady yeah, version. Yeah, it is. It is. A, Did it, that one have better tires at least? Yeah, 33s. Okay. So cool. it's okay. So 33s are, for example, the ZR2 has yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Silverado ZR2. So, so the tires are there. Uh, I think before we move on, because I want to talk about a little bit more about off-roading, yes. a little bit more about towing. Mm-hmm. Um, can we do a couple questions, Absolutely. Uh, Jay? Yep. Um, so we have patreon.com slash TFLcar. Mm-hmm. Our supporters are sending us comments and questions. Yes. So thank you. Continue. Please continue. Yes, please. Thank you. Um, and also we have like our alias, uh, our ask at TFLtruck.com alias questions, right? Yes, we do. All right, so where do you want to start? Let's start with Patreon. Okay. All right, first question's from Matt, and he's really hoping we can address this on the next Talking Trucks. Oh, well, how here about we are. That? <laughs> here we go. Okay, so how do we feel about the new Silverado, Chevy Silverado, ZR2, and GMC Sierra AT4X using the same size shocks as the Colorado ZR2? Mm. So they're talking about the, the DSSV, right? The spool valve? Exactly. Okay. So let me unpack this question a little bit. Go for it. Uh, because I was talking to the engineers on the launch of the ZR2 Silverado. Right. And they mentioned that the uh, the piston diameter of the shock, so if you look at the shock body, mm-hmm. the piston diameter is the same as the Colorado ZR2, which is a smaller truck. Right. Uh, but that's all that they share, really, because the travel of the Silverado and the Sierra shock is longer because there's more travel. Right. Um, and also the way that the um, uh, reservoirs, the uh, piggyback reservoirs are attached to the shock is different as well ah, because gotcha. of packaging and different different requirements. Right. And I think that where he's going, where Matt is going is like, is it undershocked? Right, like, because it's on a small mid-sized truck and now it's on a half-ton truck and they're yeah. both doing the same extreme off-roading. Yes. And I, I don't think so. Okay. So here, here's here's what, here's... Hit it couple of things. I've drove the ZR2 hard at the, uh, at the event, uh-huh. really hard. I tried to bottom out the shocks. I couldn't. I tried to f- get them to fade. You know, you know, you Being can kind of feel it. Yeah. Uh, after a lot of washboard yeah, road of driving, um, you, you start to bounce a little bit more and mm. you can start to feel the fade. Never felt that. Mm. Uh, and then we bought one yes, for we a long-term truck. And now we're beating on it at our ranch. Yeah, you property. took it to Moab. Uh, we took it to Moab, and so from my experience, after about what two thousand miles, mm-hmm. almost now, um, the shocks are performing great. So I don't think it was a detriment, and I think sometimes maybe too big is just too big, much. Too much. Oh, I see, because the too big and too much. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, because there there comes a point, and I'm not a shock engineer, mm-hmm. like. Yeah, but there, there comes a point where you're just moving bigger pistons and you're moving more fluid, and it's just maybe doesn't fit the vehicle that you want to put in. A lot of people do it for show, and in some cases they've overshocked the vehicle. We actually got it directly from some Jeep people saying that some, well, actually a lot of customers overdo it, and they'll never need that type of suspension for even hardcore off-roading. We see it all the time. I will say this: that DSSV system. One that was nearly identical to it has been in racing trucks, half-ton racing trucks that Chevy's been campaigning for a while now. Remember, we broke that story years ago when yeah. we thought they were going to do a Godzilla version or whatever. Well, be, because, uh, yeah, yeah, like it, was, you know, it was nicknamed the ZRX, right. remember? Yeah, that was like That two, was the rumor. That was two years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, and even Stephen Elmer, um, who used to work at TFL, right. uh, was out there in the desert and he saw those trucks. Yes, and um, those had, according to the engineers, very similar shocks as the Colorado. So back then they were already testing them out on the, um, 
Yeah, but Silverado. not identical. And, no, they and, weren't and, identical, but the, 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 a lot of the components were the same. This is according to them. This is right. a direct quote. So the point is, is that I think that it's already had its test in heavy-duty or heavy-duty heavier trucks, and it's and proven. In racing. Exactly. And racing is not easy. I mean, they're doing, you know, 400-mile, uh, 500-mile, 1,000-mile races. Right. And so. the shocks cannot overheat. They can't burst. They can't bend. They have to be there from the beginning yeah. to the end. And this system supposedly is quite good. So I think, um, just to follow up, Jay, uh, on this uh, just to finish Matt's this question, question yeah. uh, for, from Matt, I think if you like, if you want the wide body truck, yes, there is a Raptor and there is the TRX, mm-hmm. right? And if those trucks are shown at their launch events jumping, so even though you know manufacturers are kind of shy about this, they say, you know, professional driver, closed scores, yada yada yada, uh, they're actually marketing materials, have them in the air. Exactly. Flying through the air and jumping. So if you want to go that far, maybe you need a bigger shock for that. Yes. Right? But the ZR2, I think, is well matched to what it has. Okay. All right. And, and you are the expert on that. I will take it for... Matt's, Matt already agrees, don't you, Matt? Matt? There are you, you okay? Yeah. All right. Okay. So what's You'll the next fine. question? Okay. <laughs> okay. This is also a Patreon question, this time from Jacqueline. And she's also really hoping it'll be on... Talking trucks. Oh, thank you. All right, okay. Jacqueline. All right, no, this is actually I, this is a really good question. I like it. At one point, does one move up a class of truck? For an example, from a compact to a midsize or a midsize to a half ton, some context. She's on the fence between a compact truck and a midsize. See, in the near future, she's looking to buy a 22-foot sailboat that is going to be a total of 3,500 pounds with the trailer. It's well within the capacity of both the payloads, but it shouldn't be that much of an, e- of an issue. The compact should be, quote unquote, like enough truck, but the midsize truck should be more stable and comfortable on the highway. The truck uh, will tow uh, weekly less than a mile to launch and retrieve, but it will tow the boat on a longer trip six times a year. <laughs> what should she get? Well, first of all, Jacqueline, thank you for the question. It's a fantastic question. Yeah. Um, I think Andre and I are on the same page on this one, which is you always size up because you want you don't want to match your payload and you don't want to match your towing. You want to go well above it. Yeah, you want to have that safety cushion, right? Uh, and uh, I, I see where Jacqueline's coming from mm-hmm. because I think she looked at the Maverick mm-hmm. and she looked at the Santa Cruz, and those are pretty attractive vehicles because... 5,000 pounds towing. Yeah, on, like on Santa, Santa Cruz, Cruz is rated at 5,000. Uh, the Maverick uh, Turbo is rated at 4,000. 4,000 pounds, right. Uh, we've done Ikes with them. Mm-hmm. They're fairly capable, right? Yes, yes, they do all right. But... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Well, one of the things you got to think about is, you know, payload for one thing. Are you going by yourself when you're towing this boat? Or do you have your family inside? And do you have gear in the bed? Suddenly, everything changes. Yeah, and also a sailboat. Okay, so uh, your mast is down when you're towing your sailboat, I right? I hope so. I hope so, uh, because you won't clear the bridges. But uh, the, the sailboat is sitting a little higher. Right, because it has a keel. It has a keel underneath it. You know, it sits higher. It's fairly long, mm-hmm. although she's not buying a huge one. Uh, but you have that center of gravity that's a little bit higher. Right. So you want a kind of a stable vehicle to kind of pull it behind. That's you want what, something that weighs a good deal more than what you're towing yeah, in that respect yeah. as well. Yeah, so you want the, the safety margin. So I would recommend, Jacqueline, you look at the midsize segment. Yeah. Maybe not the full size. Maybe not the, you know, the half-ton segment. I don't think she needs a – as long as that's as far as she's going. And you know, perhaps one of the things you have to keep in mind also is that do you need four-wheel drive or do you want all-wheel drive? That's actually a big difference right there. And then on top of all that, 
There are a couple of varieties. I believe General Motors is still building a diesel. Yes. Um, and Ford still has their 2.3 liter EcoBoost, both of which are excellent tow vehicles. But the amount of towing that you're talking about, I would say having a frame underneath you is a really good way to go when it comes to towing a load that's beginning to approach the maximum capacity of those other, you know, compact trucks. Yeah. And I think if Jacqueline said, oh, I'm buying a Hobbycat that weighs about a thousand pounds. That's a totally say, different story. I would say, get the Maverick or the Santa Cruz, yeah. just, just go for it. Yeah, I would but, agree, 100%. But, but she said a sailboat that weighs about 3,500 pounds, and yeah. that's pushing it. That's, and I'm thinking the sailboat has gear and other stuff, and people yeah, are yeah, all that stuff. So basically, so, the, mid, the midsize is the minimum she should be looking at. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Uh, yeah, but I think that almost any midsize would work for her in, in terms of I – I can't think of any midsize in the class that would have any issues pulling 4,000 pounds plus – even the Ridgeline, to some extent. Yeah, which is a bigger... Even though the rating is the same as the, as um, the Santa, Cruz. Santa Cruz, the Ridgeline's a larger vehicle. And I've towed, and so have you, its maximum weight. And it's actually a very good tow vehicle. But it's also a heavier vehicle, and I think weight is part of it. But I would pr- personally recommend something with a frame. There you go. Wouldn't you agree? All right. Um, maybe one more thing... Uh one more question or two more? Yeah. We okay. Hit, uh, also, Timothy from Patreon. Okay. Okay. Uh, earlier this week, uh, Timothy's wife put a uh, deposit down on a 2022 Lexus GX460. She's a keeper. That's a great <laughs> wife. I hope my there wife's go, listening Timothy. to this. Nathan's marriage advice right there. Yeah, I just said this. She's a keeper. I'm not going to go out of there right okay. now. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Thanks to you guys, I went in really, really prepared for the purchase. It is not a car I thought I would end up with when I started uh, my new car journey a couple years ago, but it definitely makes sense in every way except, of course, MPG. Mm. His question, though, is whether the MTS crawl features are really necessary for off-roading in the long run. Uh, Now, this, I think... In the long run... What do you think he means? I, I, I think he's wondering if it's an effective thing to have over okay. time. Okay. Uh, my guess is you probably don't do a lot of off-roading. Um, and if that's the case, well, you, you just drove uh, a vehicle with the MTS system in it. Like the Just now. Right. And I know that in the past we've sometimes we've, you know, spoken briefly about it and the system and how it works, but I think you could be a little bit more specific about it, given that we're doing the talk show. Sure. And uh, you know, address this because my answer right off the bat is no. But I want to I want to hear your perspective. I, I I think that's a fair answer. Mm. So uh, let's define MTS yes. first of all, and also the crawl system. I think there's a little bit of confusion maybe okay. in, in, in part of this question. Is it so the H track in MT? The- MTS is multi-terrain select, right. which means it's really kind of the modes. Uh, so like sand mode, snow mode, there's a, sli- a slippery Ruts, mogul, yeah. mogul mode. <laughs> and, and a lot of it, there's not a lot of like difference between them in my mind. You know, uh, I've tried many of them. I just did it in Sequoia. Yeah. And I also did it in the LX600 Lexus. Both of them have versions of the system. Right. And also, uh, so that's one side. Then there's a crawl control system that's kind of like slow speed uh, cruise, cruise control, control basically. Right. So there's five different settings for speed. There's like super slow speed, like one mile per hour setting, 
Then it was like two, three, four, five, right? Right. Now, uh, can I quickly just go in, once again, for those of you who don't know, uh, the MTS essentially is working with the traction control system. Also, it's working with an algorithm within the uh, power that's being delivered to the wheel. So in other words, you could start off in second gear sometimes, or it's going to limit a little bit of power, trying to prevent you from you know, having your wheels break and spin. So it's trying to make sure that in whatever terrain you're in, like snow is a really good example. It'll start you off in second gear all the time. Mm-hmm. That way you're not spinning right off the bat. Also, it's working with uh, your um, ABS system, your anti-lock braking system. Sure. So that's the basics right there with your t- selecting different terrains. And honestly, that's a really good system for just set it and leave it, right? F- or, or forget about it. You know, yeah. just put it in. Oh, I'm going to go through snow. I turn the little thing. Boom, I'm in snow. But... What Andre's talking about is the second level, and that is for serious off-roading by comparison. Yeah, and the crawl system, I mean, so if you have a little bit of experience, I would recommend that. Mm-hmm. So I know it's a brand new GX, you know, it's really shiny and new. It will be hard to put it in kind of high risk. I'll do it for you. Uh, mm-hmm. we, can, we, can, we can do that. Yeah. Uh, but I would recommend just, you know, going on a dirt road or a forest road or something else in mm-hmm. the desert maybe, or mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, and just getting experience with it. Because with your right foot and maybe even your left foot, you can mimic all those systems. Exactly. <laughs> right? You can yeah. do it yourself and kind of be involved in driving. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, of course, if you don't want to... If you can you can rely a little bit more on those systems. And that's also including hill descent control as well, which is very similar. And you can set the speeds and have it go down the hills at different speeds. I find that both Toyota and Jeep systems are excellent off-road. I just don't like using them. Yeah, and by the way, Toyota has improved all those systems. Ah. So the older vehicle, I think the GX may have the older version of that system. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm talking about also the ABS control. Yeah, I know. Uh, and the crawl control. Mm-hmm. The new Sequoia and the new Tundra and the new uh, Lexus mm-hmm. uh, all have much smoother you know, there, there's not no longer that kind of jerkiness, in which the is something I hated doing off road with Sequoias because yeah. it would it would actually limit what you could do. And I hear the new one's better. And yeah, and it's much smoother, much quieter, so it's not intrusive. Uh, so they improved those systems, but I think the GX is still on the older version of that. System that doesn't surprise me because it's the older design. Right. So I hope we answered this quite in detail. Yeah, in detail. Yeah. Uh, let us know how that goes, by the way, with the GX. And yeah, let us know. Uh, your, your wife is awesome, so congrats. Yeah. Okay. Next. Okay. Uh, last question. This is an email from Corey. Okay. Uh, he just traded in his truck for a 2021 Ford Bronco Black Diamond last fall. Oh, cool. Ooh, okay. I know. He really loves it, but he misses having a truck, and now his wife is looking to get a new new vehicle, and she's looking to trade in her car for a truck. Uh, they're looking right now for a crew cab with under 100,000 miles. Uh, 4x4 <coughs> is preferred, but it's not, it's not a must. Now, normally he'd go for an F-150, but as we well know, they're very pricey right now. Prices are going up on right. everything. Yeah. So... Getting straight to it, he re- uh, recently came across a 2017 <coughs> Nissan Titan. It is a crew cab 4x2 with 75,000 miles priced right at the top of their $30,000 budget. What year uh, is it again? 2017. Mm. Uh, okay. It's a good looking truck, but he knows absolutely nothing about Nissans. And he's hoping if, Andre or Nathan, if you can tell him if it's a good truck or not. Is it reliable? Also, um, if they can find a truck that meets their needs, or another truck, rather, uh, they're also looking at a 2020 Santa Fe, that's a crossover, or a 2020 CRV. Uh, of those two, which do you think is better? 
So he's well, a little Corey. He's indecisive here. He doesn't. Well, there's many questions in there. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of questions. So why don't we start with uh, the, the truck question? Yeah. Basically, under thirty thousand dollars, looking right and in today's market, which is a terrible market right now, and at the price at the top of the range, a 2017 four by two Titan. Uh, we've Oof. had experience so, with those. So it sounds like Corey's looking full size for yeah. some reason. Um, but what if Corey? What if you went mid size? Or even you would have it. you would have more options, I would say. I would a think midsize work. should be an option for him because if they're looking at like a CRV, or CRV is midsize-ish, uh, compact crossover, right? Yeah. So, so Corey, maybe the because right now everything is tough to buy, yeah. right? So, four uh, by two Titan should be pretty sprightly. It's a V eight powered beast. Yeah, the four uh, points, or the five point six. Exactly, mm-hmm. and it's got uh, twenty seventeen model has the older transmission, which is a seven speed. Yeah, it's which isn't our favorite, but it worked just fine. It's just it hunted a lot of gears. Yeah, so if you're driving mountainous terrains up and down in the highways, so maybe that's not a, the most ideal thing for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but why not midsize? That's yeah. what I would say. For that much money, you can get yourself a very well equipped and probably very much newer midsize truck. And if I may. You might be able to find something like, oh, I don't know, the Ford Ranger and keep everything Ford if you want to. That new, uh, the newish Ranger has a very good powertrain, extremely powerful, relatively efficient. But, I mean, there's no reason why you can't get a Nissan Frontier or Toyota. Actually, really any of them. That's including the Chevy Colorado. There's um, a lot of Frontiers. Actually, I was doing some car shopping not too long ago, and I happened to notice there's a good amount of Frontiers out there, the previous and that's generation. Par- yeah. Exactly, and that's because the uh, there is a new generation out, and because of that, whenever they do that, the value of the older generation tends to drop, mm-hmm. and which is a good thing also. Uh, and the reason I mentioned Ford, actually, there was a reason, um, because the range is about to go through a major change itself, and as such, there could be some dealerships that are looking to get rid of them. You may have to look out of your state or at least out of your city, but I'm willing to bet you can find a pretty good deal by comparison in terms of half-ton trucks. Going back to the Nissan, it's a perfectly good truck. They're very reliable. Transmission, that's the seven speed, we believe. And the seven speed was a solid transmission. They're still using that transmission in the Armada and the QX80. Yeah, they didn't go to the nine speed yet. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yes. I thought they did. No, they didn't. Yeah, but it, yeah. Yeah, remember yeah. that's something we were screaming about because it's like, why don't you do this? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's not as efficient as the newer ones, which had the nine speed, different gearing, and everything else. They are more efficient, but it's a solid truck. I don't know if you're going to be doing off roading. If you are, a four by two probably isn't what you want, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's. Because it's also sitting lower. Exactly. It's yeah. sitting lower, and it just doesn't have the bits underneath that the, you know, even a regular four by four, much less the Pro 4X. Pro or you can 4X. say, hey, yeah. You can say, hey, honey, uh, that's okay. The, the Titan two-wheel drive will work, but we need to spend some money, you know, make it a wide-body pre-runner, uh, lift it up a few inches, put bigger tires on it. That's a good way and, to go. And just rip across the desert. Which I'm sure any wife would want. Um, <laughs> She'll approve immediately, guaranteed. But, you know, guys, think about it. He bought. He just bought a black diamond, so a serious off-road version of the Ford Bronco, and he's talking about picking up a half-ton truck with rear drive? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Okay. I think he needs a four-wheel drive truck, and I think he needs a mid-sized truck and a newer one at that. And you have more choices. The Jeep, for example, you could look at Gladiators. Sure. If you want. Yeah, I mean, you might be able oh, to get although a... Although those are expensive. They, they yeah, really even, are. even used, they're pretty pricey. Yeah. yeah, but I think you could still get a Gladiator for in, in the high 20s, low 30s, uh, at least the older first, um, first batch model of years. them. Right, yeah. where the, the bare bones sport. Actually, so I was looking into this. Um, mm. On last show of Truck Show... Um, mm-hmm. 
of Talking Trucks podcast. Right. We talked to uh, the folks at YAA. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I mentioned I was looking at the Gladiator Rubicon. Yeah. Used one. And I miss, well, I, I was just speaking and I said, because I want a less expensive one. And they stopped me right there and they said, Andre, the used Rubicon Gladiators are now more expensive than the brand new ones. Isn't that crazy? Wow. That's insane. It's insane. Wow. Imagine buying something and actually making... Keeping it two years. Yeah, and putting miles on it and then making even more money on it. Yes. Insane. So maybe not the Gladiator. Well, uh, but I think the the base model with the Pentastar V6... Maybe, maybe though. Yeah, because the Sport right now is running in the uh, mid-30s because I've been keeping an eye on it for myself with the manual transmission, the absolute bare bones one. So I think you might be able to go there, but still, there's plenty of stuff from General Motors, from Ford, from Toyota, and Nissan, and and also Honda too. The Ridgeline is a really good option. So, I, you know, you mentioned SUVs and crossovers and whatnot. Maybe that's the direction you want to go. It's it's kind of vague in terms of going from a half-ton rear-wheel drive truck to, to CRV. CRVs. <laughs> so between the CRV and yeah. the Santa Fe. Personally speaking, I think the Santa Fe has a little bit better packaging, and the CRV is probably uh, better for you know investment over time. There you go. That's me. Cool. All right. So now let's switch back to Sequoia and uh, f- finish and up with Toyota trucks. Yes, because there's a lot more going on. Yes, exactly. So we have price. You have probably been wondering, Jay. I have. Yes. How much will this new beast Sequoia cost? Forty-nine. That's my guess. No. Fifty-five. You're closer, Jay. Damn it. I knew it. Uh, it But you guys are both low. 58? Yes. So the new Sequoia SR5, and by the way, there's no Sequoia SR. If Mm. you're wondering if they're going to have the bare bones version, maybe not yet, but at least for now, the SR5 is where it begins Mm. for the two-wheel drive Sequoia. It starts at $58,300, which uh, is quite significantly higher than the Sequoia used to start at, which was closer to $50,000. Yeah, that's why I thought $49,000. Yes. Uh, I I knew exactly where you were going. Damn it! But what can we say about this? Uh, So that's a – I would say that's a negative, but – you're getting a lot for that money. You're getting a hybrid truck with capacity of up to eight right out of the box. With lots of torque, 9,500 pounds of towing, mm-hmm. and, and, a, and a lot of standard features. Safety sense, mm-hmm. um, driver the, assistance is that features. Is three? Yeah. Two and a half in this case. Uh, two and a half. So right. can I go on Andre rant? Because usually Roman rants. Yes. Yeah, I like your rants better than Roman's. <laughs> you go. go for, I haven't heard an Andre rant yet, so go okay, for it. Okay, fire so, it up. So my rant is got? this. My rent is this. Every manufacturer has their own suite of driver assistance technology. Yes, they do. They yes. all have different names. Mm-hmm. Copilot this and Safety Sense that and Honda Sense this. Yeah. Um, uh, it, all of them have numbers. 2.0, 2. 2.5, 2, 3.0, 3.1, 3.125. Okay, I got you. And they all have slightly different packaging. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the 2.5 Toyota system has you know dynamic cruise control, blind spot monitoring, pre-collision uh, safety system. This is standard. Yes. Okay. But uh, like some versions have different versions of that, yeah, and so my rant is that it's really confusing. 
I've spent hours studying this, and I still can't remember all of it. So what you're uh, saying is that different trim levels have even more stuff on top of the regular safety No, that's stuff? not what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Is I'm saying is when you go from model year to model year, and you're going from like 2.0 to 2.5 to 3.0, mm-hmm. they're mostly the same. They're just tweaking one feature, and maybe now you have lane tracing where it keeps you in the lane better. Uh, or maybe you, now you're getting motorcycle detection, right, like I the 3.0 you. system. Mm-hmm. But it's not super clear. And I don't know how to fix it, but that's my rant. My rant is that it's really complicated to know which features your truck has and which features it does not have. So we need to do more here. That was a good rant. Yeah, is that okay? That was a good rant. Yeah, yeah that was that I was like, great. Very, Nobody got insulted either. Um, I can you're the man. insult somebody. No, no, you didn't. You <laughs> unlike Roman, who goes after everyone. No, I'm kidding. Um, okay. So uh, I agree with you. I think one of the issues that we have is that every year. Every model year, we're getting stacks of paper or long, long emails that talk about the new safety systems in these vehicles, some of which have optional systems, some of them have standard systems. Mm -hmm. And one of the problems is we're having a really hard time, and I agree with you, Andre, on keeping track on what actually has been done versus what's a refresh. For instance, radar cruise control, that's been around for a while now. And honestly, there's only a few updates to those systems, and they are standard on many vehicles or optional on almost everything out there, almost everything. But have there been updates? If there have, what are they? And in many cases, like, well, this is the newest one. This is our 4.0. Oh, okay, what does it do? It was exactly the same as the 2.0, <laughs> but I'll tell you this. Yeah. It has a larger display, or it's the buttons have been moved. That's why it's a 4.0. They don't give us that information. And this goes throughout all of automakers. Basically and, of course, we can there. dig into this. Yes, you we know, could. Yeah. We, we can invite, um, next, on the next show, we can invite uh, an expert. And really dig into it, but we'll know everything about one system. Exactly. And the and whole thing, we and a lot of know about other systems. Right. And a lot of marketing is going on yeah. here. And that's really the whole purpose of this. So bottom line, though, is that this does come with a safety system that is pretty advanced. especially and for standard. A, yeah, and standard for a big, heavy truck yeah. that is weighing in, you know, getting close to 6,000 pounds. Yeah, and, it, and it's really cool. And I tried some of those systems. Uh, sometimes the lane keep can be annoying. Mm, yes. Uh, just like the uh, Tundra. Yeah, and because some, sometimes it beeps mm-hmm. uh, when you're, you know, slightly, you know, not veering correctly in your lane. Uh, but uh, the lane tracing is nice mm. because it is really, it doesn't balance you like some older systems. It really keeps you centered in in your highway lane. So that's that's really nice system. And of course, blind spot monitoring is important, especially for towing. So I towed two trailers. I towed a smaller camper, and then I towed a boat. Uh, the smaller camper weighed about 5,000 pounds, and the boat weighed about 7,500 pounds. In both cases, great power. Mm. Uh, and, and also noteworthy is smooth. Uh, and I think you and I, Nathan, saw it on the iGauntlet with yeah, the Tundra. We sure did. That was a smooth uh, truck. Uh, the transmission is very nice and smooth. Yeah, buttery. The power is there. And on some of the fancier versions, yes, there's some sound augmentation mm-hmm. where, you know, it's the, the kind of pumping some of the sound into the cabin to make it feel more macho, which is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think they're improving those systems and they feel a little bit more natural because mm-hmm. they used to be kind of video gamey, yeah. you know? Yeah. And they're getting a little bit better. Uh, so the power is really great. I would say if you wanted to tow closer to the maximum of the Sequoia, even 8,000, maybe 8,500 pounds, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think you could. I, I think it's really capable. And it also comes with towing mirrors, by the way, optional. Oh. 
Oh. So in this image, we don't see him. No. But you can get toy ears. Which is sweet. Yeah. So, so, I mean, there, there's good and bad. But for the most part, it sounds like a majority of the truck has been improved over the previous truck. Uh, unfortunately, pricing did not follow that. But it makes sense because you're going, you know, a very expensive, you know, powertrain. You haven't heard where the pricing ends. Oh, no. You, you heard where it starts. Right. This is going to be tough. Are you so, ready for this? Are you gonna, okay. okay, so I, SR5 is first. Mm. Limited is next. Mm. So it step, steps up just you know four to $5,000 okay, to the Limited. Okay. Limited has a little bit few more options. Also, optional panoramic sunroof is okay. there. Okay. So if, if you want those features, uh, all of that is coming up. Gotcha. Um, you can also get TRD off-road package like our Tundra had. Uh, rear locker is available and TRD off-road package. Very cool stuff. Uh, different tires and mm. wheels. Uh, then there's a Platinum. Mm -hmm. Now you're stepping up into a higher $60,000 range. Nicer interior, yada, yada, yada. Uh, then, oh, by the way, the Platinum also can be had with the captain's chairs in the, in the second row. Okay. okay. So you can have a seven-person arrangement. Okay. Uh, and then there's the TRT Pro uh, and the Capstone. The Capstone starts at 75300 for a two-wheel drive and 78000 300 for the 4x4. Four four. Oy vey. So basically you're around 80 grand for your top of the line. Fully Sequoia. optioned. Capstone. And by the way, remember we called the Tundra Capstone the Lexus of pickups? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Sequoia Capstone is approaching that Lexus quality too on the interior. It's really, really I, well I, I, Well, for that money, it better be. So, but you might, you're, you're probably reeling a little bit. Mm -hmm. But consider this. What happens if you wanted to buy a 6.2 liter Tahoe High Country with every option? Yeah, you're in that same you're, territory. You're in the same price. Yeah, exactly. So you're 78, 80 grand. What if you wanted to buy a really well-equipped expedition, like Timberline with every option, or uh, their Platinum series? Right, then you'd be even higher, right? You're 82. Yeah. So those prices are crazy. <clears throat> But it's competitive, I would say. Mm -hmm. I would say they're competitive for with the, the segment. Absolutely. For the segment. And if you want the Cadillac, forget about it. Oh, I mean, you're, you're $100,000 yeah. uh, over there already. And the, the uh, Lexus LX. And the too. Lexus LX, yeah. So, I, one of the questions, and this is a really important one, this from your perspective, is is this really a competitor for the Yukon and the Tahoe, which are in its class the most competitive? And then even the Expedition. Is, is this the vehicle that goes up against them? I think it is, but I, what you I, drove it. I, I would say yes. Okay. Absolutely. So the only negative, the only fly in the ointment, I would say, is the third row for me. Okay. Um, I'm a kind of a bigger, taller dude. Mm -hmm. So for me personally, I kind of wanted a little bit more space. Okay. And I know, you know, I prefer driving. I don't want to be back there. But that is just one hitch. And also another hitch is kind of the cargo volume. Mm -hmm. uh, I know... It, but you're buying a big SUV for a reason. You want to go to the airport with all your suitcases, right? You want to do all these things. So, so you just have to look at the cargo area, and if that satisfies your requirements, I think it's a total competitor to those. And I think they'll sell more than eight thousand a year. Oh, I, I seriously think ten times that eventually, especially uh, with today's truck market and demands yeah, for it. Yeah, absolutely. as long as they can build these. <laughs> They can continue to sell them. And they're going to build them in Texas. Yeah. So it's, it's a Texas a truck at their plant 
San Next, Antonio. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. And also the TRD Pro um, is at around 77 grand. Mm -hmm. But once again, TRD Pro Sequoia is kind of all in. It almost has very few options. So like when you check that box for the TRD Pro, you're getting the Fox 2.5 shocks mm -hmm. system. You're getting all the skid plates. You're getting 33-inch tall tires. You're getting the locker and the locker and everything else. And of course, the interior is luxurious and the panoramic sunroof and all the ventilated seats and heated seats and everything else right. like that. And so it's kind of like all in 77 grand. Once again, uh, Tahoe Z71. Mm -hmm. We tested the 77,000 yes. Tahoe as yeah. well. Yeah. Almost identical in price. Yeah. So, so the pricing is there. And one beautiful thing, maybe we can finish with this mm -hmm. about the TRD Pro. Uh, I was. Um, there was a faster section of road okay. um, in this, in this, in this um, area that mm -hmm. we had. And uh, they asked me to go about 25 to 30 miles an hour. Did I, did I listen? No. I, did I didn't listen. think you would. I usually ask for forgiveness later. Yeah. 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 This is it right now. You, you learned this from me, by the uh, way. <laughs> thank you. Know, you. Yeah. I went to Nathan's school. Yeah. Um, so. so you put the hammer down. <laughs> that's, that's essentially it, right? So I was maybe going 40, 45 yeah. And uh, with four high, traction control and stability control disabled. Mm -hmm. So you can hold that traction control button down for a few seconds and you can kind of quiet down the stability systems and the traction control. Um, once again, professional driver, closed course. Mm -hmm. I want to make that clear. Absolutely. Because I consider myself professional driver because uh, I review vehicles. You for don't even have to say because they already know. They know you're a pro. You're Andre. I'm a TRD pro. Oh, no. you're welcome, Toyota. No, no. There's a pitch for you. Okay. So, uh, so no, what no. happened? So it shrunk around me. The Sequoia felt smaller than it is. That's a good thing. Yes, it's a great thing. The shocks were very resilient, reminded me of the ZR2, in fact. Mm. You know, just I tried to do get a little bit of air on some of these little hills, mm. never bottomed out. The shocks felt great. I was able to kind of drift the sequoia, you know, in the corner on dirt. This is all like on mud and dirt. Mm -hmm. So it's very easy to get it a little bit loosey-goosey. But then it just fell in line. Very controllable. I almost, like, if you saw me driving, I'm like, oh, my gosh, is that Ivan Iron Man Stewart? No, not quite. No, not quite. But did you get this on video, any of this? Yeah. Oh, so there's a video that's going to come out with Yeah, this. yeah. There's a video of me... Uh, uh, going a little bit quickly uh, on this um, off-road area. Mm -hmm. And I, I was really pleasantly surprised. What I was thinking in the back of my mind, you know, this is just having fun for video, but actually it's not. Let's say you're on the washboard road across Utah and you want to get somewhere, right? Which yeah. you do for camping. Mm -hmm. uh, you can count, I think, on the TRD Pro to get you there because pretty comfortable, the suspension is resilient. Um, you don't have to drift it, but you can get there you know, at a good pace, so. You know, I, I gotta say this, washboard roads are the bane of many people's existence, and you don't realize yes. it, that they, they're usually long, long washboard roads that lead to off-road trails, and in many cases, that will shake your vehicle apart worse than the off-road course you're going to. Exactly. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. I am looking forward to getting one of these and taking it to our favorite off-road place, which is apparently a place we own now. Tumbleweed. Yeah. Tumbleweed Ranch. How about that? Yeah, that, yeah, that'll be really cool. 
Well, Andre, thank you very much. I mean, your insight's huge, and I think a lot of people out there are looking forward to the videos with the Sequoia. I know there's going to be more than one. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So we have a towing video. Also, we have an off-road video. I have a Alex 600 video. And right now, we're already um, out there on TFL Now channel. We have a couple of other news videos about the uh, RAV4 Woodland Edition. We have uh, many more. We have Forerunner has a 40th anniversary. We talked about that. Mm -hmm. The Tacoma has new packages, like the Chrome package. Unfortunately, we don't have an old new Tacoma yet. No, that's but we're we're waiting for it's it. Coming. I think it's it, next year. We think so. So more to come. And thanks for joining us on this episode. Have a great week, guys. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.